Why variety streaming is not an easy path to success. Apex and uh, if I understood your question cor correctly, you were asking why don't I play a more diverse amount of games to have my content recommended to more people? Is that correct? Yeah, so there's a like a bunch of different answers to this. The first being that as far as Twitch is as far as Twitch is concerned, um, there are not a lot of people searching for new content on this platform. Changing your content specifically to appeal to the Twitch audience is fairly a waste of time. Twitch is a much smaller web website than say YouTube, as in the considerations that I have for my content for Twitch is mainly geared towards YouTube. What's gonna do better on YouTube? I either gear my content towards YouTube or I don't care at all likely. Here's <laughs> my magic three, stuff like that. Um, more importantly, even if I am trying to capture additional viewers on Twitch, I don't have the same amount of viewers playing other games as I do GTA 5. Um, I'm just not as good at other games as I am at GTA 5. I'm not as knowledgeable, for example. I have less to offer playing other games compared to GTA 5, you know? Um, the more viewers you already have doing what you're doing, the larger amount of viewers that are likely going to see your stuff in the various different places on Twitch that you can be found. But playing a diverse set of games is uh, commonly believed, and I would say rightly so, um, to be the worst way to grow an audience on Twitch. You, you generally want to appeal to a particular audience and make consistent content for that audience as opposed to like dipping your toe in 50 different markets or something. You want to dominate one thing as opposed to being somewhat present in a bunch of different places. There are what is called variety streamers, people who can play goddamn anything and get a large viewership, but even they, playing particular things, usually end up having a, a larger viewership because certain things appeal to more or less people, you know? And you can make better content uh, for different demographics or different groups of people um, easier, you know? Like I, we talk about roleplay, for example. I don't know how good I would be at making roleplay content or whether I'd be as good at making roleplay content as making my content right now. But it is something that I want to try because it is, you know, trying to diversify into a different, into a different market that is at least similar enough to my own market that I'm likely going to have roughly the same amount of viewers as I normally do. And so I could pick up some new viewers who wouldn't have found me without that change, you know? So you, you, you want to kind of diversify a bit as a content creator, but not so much that you're really outside your wheelhouse. You're outside of the, your, your, your zone, your comfort zone or whatever, right? Most people who grow big on social media these days grow big for a particular thing and then branch out from that thing. It is ex almost impossible to grow as a content creator, as a variety uh, person these days. Most of the people who are variety content creators are those who have been around a real long time. Uh, you know, your lyrics, for example, or those who, as I say, got started doing one thing, but then dropped that thing, but the audience that they had uh, was large enough that the, the portion that was willing to stay for anything was, was a significant amount. Let's say if you're making, if you have 5,000 viewers doing your most popular thing, you might have 2,000 viewers doing a less popular thing. If you, like, if I became a variety streamer, my viewership would be about 1,500. And that's enough to live off, right? That's kind of your goal as a content creator. It's to become so large in one thing that when you become a variety streamer, so you don't go crazy, your audience is still large enough that you can survive. 
it's something like 20 to 25 percent of your audience who will come with you when you stop doing your main thing and like you enough as a person uh, just to stay with you when you do different things you must get lucky to succeed oh there's definitely um aspects of luck in success I would say a significant amount. Holy shit. Especially if you factor in the, uh, the, the the foundational things that you need to succeed in particular areas. You know, be born in um, a particular time, a particular place, access to particular resources, wealth, whatever. Like true success. Monument, like the, the greater your level of success, the more luck you probably needed to get there. But at the same time, it is clearly the case that different things that you can do increase or decrease your likelihood of success. There is still definitely a component of your decision-making, what you strive to do, how you act, that impacts your success. In other words, like if tomorrow I started, I just went, oh, fuck it, I'm not gonna stream on Twitch, I'm gonna go stream on um, uh, some DLive or just garbage website with like 15 viewers or whatever, you can guarantee that I'm gonna be less successful, right? A lot of the problems with becoming successful is having access to the knowledge that leads to success in anything. Like, like right now, I can reflect back on my own success and see how coincidentally I did certain things that led to my success today that I had no fucking idea would be that way. A lot of success is that. You, you happen to be doing the right thing at the right time, or you have like an inclination that maybe this will work out, and it actually does. You, know, you don't know for certain, but you, you, just, you just hope for the best and it, and it works out. Like there are so many things that had I known five years ago that I know now, I'd be more successful. I would have made my success would have been easier, but I didn't have that knowledge. You know, they often say, um, "What is it? Work smart, not hard, or whatever." But your your ability to work smart is predicated on you being lucky that in your environment you have access to knowledge that enables you to work smart. It matters what you do, you know, but even like what you do is somewhat dependent upon luck that you you have access to knowledge or that you know where to get that knowledge, for example. That's that's just luck. It just has to be in your in, in environment, you know? Yes, I know why I ramble about them, sorry, guys. <laughs> the source of the assets in your favorite games. Do, do video game creators have to literally create everything in their games? No. I'm not a video game developer, so I can't speak on it specifically, but a lot of games use um, assets that you just purchase, that you can change and repurpose for your own particular needs. Uh, certainly, as you go, like, bigger, I imagine effectively everything is, um, you know, originally made for that game. But you, you don't reinvent the wheel for every game, you know? You, you take assets that are just generic, that no one's gonna notice, are copied from somewhere else, or you, like, copy it from somewhere else, but then you change it slightly, so it's a little bit different. And like certainly the engine, like the, the, I guess the underpinning logic of the world is not something that you create every time, you know? What would you call that? The, what, how would you describe a game engine? It's like the physics and stuff. There is a reason video game engines were, were created. You don't recreate physics in an example unless the game environment requires it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and you, you pay a fee to those who develop these engines to make your game in them. Have you guys seen that like in Old Nintendo 64 games, people like zoomed in on like particular textures and they're like, hey, wait a second, I, I know this texture from somewhere. And like, they'll find that like the bricks in Super Mario 64 are from a particular CD 
of assets that was distributed in the 90s or whatever. And like, oh, I wonder what other things from this CD are in Super Mario 64. And like, the way that the textures were made in the game is like they would take random images of like flowers or something and then just blur it massively to get that particular color of the flowers and then use it on a wall or something. Um, I, I wish I could, maybe if this goes in rambles I can find the video, but it's weird what images they took and altered to get the particular colors and textures and stuff in, in N64 games. I think the flower texture was for the metal cap? Yeah, yeah, it, it's something like that. A lot of things, it's very interesting how these sausages made. It's an expression, right? Seeing how the sausage is made? Oh, it's usually used in a negative context, right? You don't want to see how the sausage is made? But sometimes it's interesting. I mean, that's why all these, like, documentary videos blow up about, like, Oh, here's how we made this, or whatever. Like, there's a good one for Crash Bandicoot. The original developers for, for that, or they, I think it was like just one guy and an artist or something. And they were like, look, here's, here's, how, here's how we did all these things, and da da da. Here's the revolutionary things that we did to, to make the game what it is, and that's why it stood out so much and was so much better than the offerings at the time, and da da da. The vegan lifestyle and saving animals through veganism. What do you think of the vegan lifestyle? I've never done it. I mean, if if it's something that a person can live with and, and do, that seems like a good thing. I mean, it seems better for the environments and uh, the question of the moral implications of eating meat, you know, you can go either way on it and it's debatable and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, if it's, like, what I'm saying is it's very, very unlikely that you're going to one day wake up and go, man, it's morally reprehensible to eat plants. But it's possible that any one of us might wake up one day and go, oh, it's morally reprehensible to eat animals. It's, it's conclusions that people come to. Like, it just, like, if you can live a vegan lifestyle and do it healthily and, and whatever, it just seems to be a, a, a safe bet, you know? Personally, I'm hoping that uh, synthetic meat comes along and uh, just removes that question entirely. Because it is synthetic meat getting cheaper than normal meat, and uh, certainly it's better for the environment. There are some weird arguments for veganism that I'm not really sure I get, like, the idea that, uh, you should not eat meat because it reduces suffering. It's, it's, it's a weird one, because ultimately, stopping eating meat doesn't reduce suffering, it just reduces the amount of animals that are born, um, for the purposes of consumption. As in, like, if you stopped eating tomorrow, there wouldn't be a single creature saved from suffering. Not a single one. Unless you consider non-existence to be preferable to the circumstances in which animals exist in, and maybe you do. But the idea that you're, like, you're saving animals through veganism is, is not the case. It's you're preventing animals from being born through reduction in, of demand. As in, if the meat industry disappeared, it's not as though the cows would just be set free into the wild and they would just live happily ever after. They've been domesticated for hundreds of years, they'd all die. What would just happen is, you know, slowly but surely the demand for these goods and services would decrease over time and then less and less would be born for the purposes of consumption until they wouldn't be profitable and then they'd just stop being born. Uh, they'd probably be cold or, you know, and then that, that industry would just disappear and certain species of animals would just vanish. Because that's what happens when you grotesquely selectively breed animals for their meat or other products that they produce. They don't become fit for for the wild anymore, you know? The animals in the industry would be held more friendly. That's not at all true. What would, what would happen is, as demand goes lower, companies would need to still keep 
the same amounts of um cost of, 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 of the goods or people the demand will get even lower because the price starts to go up so they would eventually just put animals in worse and worse and worse and worse and worse situations to uh to cut costs as much as possible until eventually um, cutting of costs can't maintain the industry anymore and then it just goes away it is less cost effective to treat animals with some degree of empathy or to have them free range and stuff you know maybe in some cases that would would be it some industries would be like okay we can we can stay in business a bit longer if we convince the public that uh we have free range uh, these good conditions for these animals or whatever then you know, profit is king and costs will be cut cows can survive longer with old stress uh, being vegan is a first world problem no many other countries can't sustain their lifestyle I, I don't think there is any region where you couldn't sustain a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle. Um, I, I believe some cultures, meat is either a delicacy or it's it's not done particularly often at all. Isn't it more a Western thing that every meal has to have meat in it or whatever? Not true, India has a huge vegetarian population. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm thinking. And certainly, like, if, if, like, if we ignore fish, ignore fish, like, I think a lot of meat eaten worldwide as fish. You can't be vegan in the wild? Of course you could be vegan in the wild. It'd be a lot harder, I imagine. You're, you're right, though, that uh, avoiding particular types of food is a luxury of um, plenty. As in, you know, uh, if, you, if you're fighting to get calories, either because uh, poverty or a lack of access to resources, you can't just be turning down certain foods. Every meal is American and Australian. I saw a poll recently. Uh, actually, it was not a scientific poll. It was done by Daily Dose of Internet on community posts. And he asked, um, how often do you eat meat or something? And I think it said um, every day uh, for 70% of people. Was like, As an American, you don't consider in a meal if it doesn't have meat. At least I'm not satisfied without meat. It's just, it's just a thing, you know, you get used to. Your expectations are based on your prior experience. Different cultures. I eat meat every day. I don't think I always did. But especially when I came to, uh, like when I stopped eating you know, multiple meals every day and I just wanted a large meal to have enough energy for the rest of the day. It's hard to consume enough food without something like dense in calories or whatever, you know? Would I rebrand myself? Have you ever thought about rebranding yourself? For what purpose? I mean, I did once, moving from Dark Viper 88 to Dark Viper AU. It's weird to think that the vast majority of people don't know about those times. I mean, I had like, what, 7,000, 8,000 followers of Sync at the time, and I was like, ah, oh, can I really do it? I'm, I'm, I have so many followers now, like I... Does it really make sense to completely rebrand? If you type exclamation mark name, it explains why my name was changed. The, the video there, why my name is Dark Viper AU, explains it all. Getting a new keyboard and content creator merch. You should get a PewDiePie wireless keyboard. Uh, I saw a review of it. It uh, is not good apparently. As in, it's not as though you're buying something that isn't a keyboard. It's that it isn't worth what you're paying for it. it it's, it's usually the case, right? When you're buying some sort of a niche product that's not being like, like mass produced through the normal channels, there's always uh, at various different points additional costs that are added into that and then there's the you know the, there's the need to add that that little bit of profit on top of it or whatever to make it worth selling 
It's not like you're selling millions of these products or whatever. You're maybe selling hundreds or thousands or whatever. So most of the time when you're buying merch, it should be because you like the look of it or you just don't care and want to have some memento of a content creator or whatever, right? It's why selling hardware and stuff is hard, right? Like if you're selling a shirt or a plushie or something, you know, you can have a cool design and subjectively that design can be worth the, 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 the price. Because it's kind of like, um, it's original. Uh, it, it can't be kind of compared to uh, competing products because nothing really competes. I mean, all shirts compete with each other, but uh, a design is unique, you know? But if you're making a keyboard, a keyboard can compare in terms of its functionality to other keyboards. I guess it's possible for a shirt to not function correctly as a shirt, but that's kind of hard to do. It could be compared on terms of price though, because certainly no merch item with a cool design has ever been worth the same as just a generic shirt from a store, right? You're paying a massive premium for that thing to look cool. It's why you can buy, you know, a bunch of black tank tops for five bucks or whatever each. But you can't buy my um, my tank tops from Streamlabs for five bucks each, you know? My fear with getting a custom keyboard is A, I have no idea what I want and uh, I'm just a difficult person in general. But also, if it breaks, then like I'm kind of shit out of luck. And like, if I get used to a keyboard, I don't want to go back to a different keyboard and all that jazz, you know? I really should buy one of those um, key tester things where you can buy one key of each of the different type of keyboard keys. I'm fairly certain I uh, I like reds and and and. But it's not like I've had a heap of experience testing every other key. I know I don't like blue, which again pisses me off. I, I, I've never met a person who thinks blue is the best. Uh, I'm sure they exist, but I was very surprised to find out that uh, they must be the majority, or else why would Logitech put them basing all their fucking boards now? They have orange switches? People buy loud switches on purpose? Yeah, it's weird to me. Um, I like some noise, some feedback, but some people uh, have great satisfaction from the noise of typing. I think there's even ASMR for typing or whatever, right? I, I think it's kind of weird. Certainly as a content creator, I don't like the keyboard sounds. I, I, I did a poll once and people either said that they, you know, liked hearing it a bit or were indifferent, I think in the majority. Like you don't want the clicking to be so overwhelming, but having some noise of clicking sometimes is not particularly bad, you know? But you can join streams sometimes and it's like the person is talking and all you can hear is click, 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 it's weird. So concerned was I once upon a time about some about sound from my keyboard, I used to use O-rings. O-rings being things you can put on your keys to reduce the sound that they make. Do O-rings help a lot? Yeah, they do. Um, I don't know how they impact the, uh, what's the attenuation point or whatever, the, the point where it actually does the click. You hated clicky keys until you use them. I mean, eventually your brain would just, what's the word, habituate to the sound and then block it out. Because it's not important sound, so your brain would just filter it out until you're focused on it. I wonder how much of my keyboard, like I'm, I normally I have my keyboard at an angle, right? I wonder how much of that is just I'm pushing the cable against the wall and so my keyboard can't be flush with the wall. I just, I just realized this now. Okay, I'm definitely gonna look into keyboards after this. Buying another $702 Big Mac. McDonald's 10 piece giveaway. I will eventually do it guys. I will eventually order $702 worth of Big Macs. One day. What I have to like, 
call them up and talk to them? I guess I would. How would I explain that to them? I would like as many Big Macs as I can order with $702. They'd be like, uh, well, it, it, it'd be like $705. No, no, just like, cut, make, make a smaller Big Mac or like, cut, cut one in half or something and just make exactly $702. Yeah, I, I said that before that maybe I'll do it at PAX. It's just setting up stuff like that is a pain, you know? I guess I could like, just let people grab them immediately. I mean, they do like catering events and stuff, don't they? So maybe, uh, yeah. I, I guess it could be possible. I just talk to them, whatever. I do not have an agent, nor I have a manager, but I mean, yeah, yeah, it's kind of same thing. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe they could do it, I don't know. For the publicity, I don't think people are going to report on a dude buying a couple of hundred bucks worth of Big Mac. If I had a standard packs, yeah, maybe. And 109 isn't like an insane amount in terms of giving away free Big Macs, but. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel. It costs you nothing and I wish you all the best.